The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury. Welcome to the 12th AV Forums podcast. In this episode, as well as the usual home cinema, DVD and gaming news, we review Poseidon on DVD and Sky Captain on HD DVD. And in part one of our series of features about piracy, we discuss file sharing and internet downloadings with opinions from our forum members. This week's, this week's Audio Visual News. In the news this time, a Blu-ray HDVD update from the US, details of the upgrade paths for high-end Denon owners, plus new speakers from KEF. With the supposed launch of the UK's first Blu-ray and HDVD players no less than three months away, we thought we'd start our news this time with a recap of how the next-gen DVD formats are faring in the US where players and discs have both been on sale for a few weeks. Starting with a look at some of the latest titles for both formats, Warners gets the ball rolling with the recent announcement that it's launching three new HD DVD titles on August the 22nd. Good Night and Good Luck, The Searchers and Caddyshack. Which, as usual, is just about as eclectic a trio of movies you could possibly think of. Significantly, Warners is now supporting Blu-ray as well, and launched its first Blu-ray titles on August the 1st, Training Day, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Rumour Has It. Now we're talking Blu-ray, Buena Vista, which incorporates Disney, Dimension, Miramax and Touchstone, has finally announced its Blu-ray titles. They include Dinosaur, Haunted Mansion, Glory Road, Eight Below, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Brothers Grimm and Dark Water but aren't likely to hit the stores until September at the earliest. Going back to HD DVD, Universal is claiming it will have 60 titles available by the end of this year, while Paramount has finally unleashed its first batch of nine titles. Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Sahara, Sleepy Hollow, Four Brothers, The Manchurian Candidate, We Were Soldiers, Aeon Flux, The Italian Job and U2 Rattle and Hum. Paramount has also just announced that it intends to launch Mission Impossible 3 on both HD DVD and Blu-ray on October 30th. Turning to Blu-ray and HD DVD hardware, while most mainstream manufacturers seem to be backing off from plans to launch dual HD DVD and Blu-ray players, one company, Ricoh, claims to have created a dual format player by using a diffraction plate that adjusts the laser so it works fine with both formats. US industry pundits seem doubtful that this player will ever really see the light of day though, and even if it arrives in the US, it's unlikely that it'll ever reach old blighty. Still, there's no harm in hoping, eh? As for the HD, DVD and Blu-ray players already on sale, they continue to receive distinctly hit and miss reviews. Most people agree that where disc transfers are good, both disc formats can deliver outstanding visual results but the lengthy time it takes both systems, but especially HD-DVD, to fire up a disc is still aggravating many people, and there are countless tales of HDMI handshake glitches between decks of both formats and screens. 
couple these aggravations with continuing tales of massive variance in the quality of both HD, DVD and Blu-ray film transfers, and it actually makes you feel glad for living in the UK, because we'll hopefully get improved players and discs by the time the formats launch here. Although we have to say, the most important word in that last sentence was hopefully. Now, if we're quick, we've just about got time to cover a couple more recent news tidbits. First, we hear from Denon that it's ready to roll out its latest Class A upgrade program, bringing the features and technology of Denon's very latest high-end XVA products to owners of older DVD A1XV, AVC A11XV and AVC A1XV units. Upgrading the AVC A1XV amplifier to Denon's A-Spec will cost around £850, but adds a whole host of new features, including five HDMI inputs, HDMI switching capability at 1080p, video upscaling to 1080p, component, composite and S-video input conversion to HDMI output, an Ethernet port for web radio, PC control, home networking and audio streaming a new improved 12-bit video converter and an internet radio system. Wow! Upgrading the AVC A11XV amplifier to the new A-Spec meanwhile will set you back a cool £550 and deliver many of the improvements listed for the A1XV upgrade including 1080p HDMI switching and upscaling. Finally you can upgrade the DVD A1XV DVD player so that it delivers 1080p for just 250 quid. And all the prices we've quoted include pickup and return to your nearest authorised Denon THX dealer. Finishing our news off this month is a rather lovely looking new 5.1 surround sound speaker package from KEF. The KHT 5005.2 offers alleged improvements over last year's well-received 5005.1 package, including new drivers, sleek black grills, an innovative new subwoofer design and a striking high-gloss black finish option. The speakers are also available in matte silver and should be around soon with a package price of around £1,250. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the AV Forums podcast. The AV Forums, AV Forums. DVD news and review roundup with Phil Hinton. First up is the exciting news for fans of Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible franchise. Universal has announced that Mission Impossible 3 is to be released on October the 30th on a two-disc collector's edition DVD, Blu-ray and HD DVD. Not only is this the first simultaneous release on all formats, it's also for a major 2006 blockbuster. The DVD will contain an audio commentary with Crew and Abrams, five deleted scenes, four documentaries, trailers and an easter egg. The HD DVD will contain all the extras on the two-disc DVD release, as well as an enhanced commentary with Cruz and Abrams, with them talking in the corner of the screen while the movie plays. Unfortunately, no news exists if the Blu-ray disc will contain any extras yet. Kevin Smith fans can look forward to the release of Clacks 2 on DVD and HD DVD from December the 5th. The sequel to the 1994 debut, Clarks 2 follows Dante and Randall as they move from the Minimart to a movie's burger joint. The DVD will feature an audio commentary with Smith and others, a 90-minute documentary, deleted scenes and other features. It's not known what the HD DVD will feature, but it would be a surprise if it doesn't contain the same extras. 
October 24th will see the release of Monster House on Region 1 DVD from Sony Pictures. The movie is a story of three children that realise a neighbour's house is really a monster, hence the title. The children must find a way to stop the house and save the neighbourhood. Featuring all-star voices, this computer-animated feature will appear to young and old alike. In Region 2 DVD news, Warner Brothers has announced the release of the 1982 director's cut of Ridley Scott's Blade Runner for a limited time. Available for only four months, this release features the restored and remastered DVD version of the classic movie, at which point it will be suspended by Warner Brothers until 2007 when the final cut edition will be released. So, until the multi-disc edition is released, fans can pick up this limited edition title from October 9th. As everyone knows, the Star Wars trilogy is yet again appearing on Region 1 DVD with the original versions of the movies, and it's just been announced that they will also be appearing on Region 2 DVD from the 11th of September. With a retail price of £22.99 per title, each one will contain two discs, one containing the original film, the other disc containing the digitally restored version. Be aware, however, these editions are only available until the 31st of December and then they're gone. And also, if you're an anamorphic fan, you won't be happy to know that it will be a letterbox version for the original films. And that rounds up your DVD news for this edition. The AV Forums Podcast Gaming News. Fans of the massive multiplayer online role-playing game EverQuest will be glad to know that Sony are releasing the new expansion pack, The Serpent's Spine, on the 19th of September. Heavily dragon-orientated, with a new race called the Draken, folks will be able to increase their playing level up to 75 and gain new spells, raids and abilities. Not only this, but a new starting city called Crescent Reach will be available for newcomers, as well as veterans. It's unusual for an expansion disc to offer the ability to start at level 1, so this is a good place for new players to jump on board. And as an addict of EverQuest myself, I heartily recommend that you do. Xbox 360 owners who have been eagerly anticipating the release of Mad Tracks will be disappointed that the release date has been postponed. The good news, however, is that the reason for the delay is that the authors have finally committed to including Xbox Live multiplayer mode. The reason for not including it initially is apparently due to technical difficulties in rewriting the PC version's LAN code for the 360. However, vocal 360 gamers have persuaded the company to include this feature. No new release date has been specified, but we'll keep you posted. If the idea of playing games with the family at Christmas is enough to drive you to drink, then you'll no doubt be thrilled to hear that Sony are releasing SingStar Legends in time for the festive season. SingStar allows up to eight players to compete in a karaoke tournament. This particular release focuses on classic tracks including Elton John's Rocket Man, Surfing USA from the Beach Boys, Roxanne by The Police, Unchained Melody from the Righteous Brothers, and Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. So, if you want to spend Christmas with your father singing David Bowie and your mother strutting to the sounds of Tina Turner, this is probably the PS2 title for you. Finally, keep an eye out for Vampire Story for PC. Developed by Mayan Studios, but currently without a publisher, this is an RPG game where players take control of Bernard, an adventurer who has lived in the company of the undead for years. 
a mysterious murder with no apparent motive takes place on one of the Dockland piers and as Bernard starts his investigation events begin to get scary. Look for this to be released around the end of the year, providing a publisher can be found. For more info, go to www.mayhem.sk. This week's DVD Reviews. Poseidon is the latest in a seemingly increasing line of remakes. Based on the 1972 movie The Poseidon Adventure, Wolfgang Peterson remakes the movie with a few nods to the original and a reasonably relentless pace. The plot is simple. On New Year's Eve, the luxury ocean liner Poseidon is hit by a rogue tidal wave and capsizes. While most of the survivors stay in one place, a few of them decide to try and make a bid to escape. Cast-wise, there's no real major talent, with the arguable exception of Kurt Russell and Richard Dreyfus. Josh Lucas, last seen in the abysmal stealth, is the most obvious of the B-list talent. He's joined with Emily Rosam from The Day After Tomorrow and Mia Maestro from Alias. But then again, does it really need an actor of De Niro's stature? Well, no it doesn't. It's a disaster movie, and as mentioned, a relentless one at that. We move from set piece to set piece without any real drama or tension being created between the characters. There's obviously one dislikable one, but then he gets off pretty quickly. The father-daughter feud between Russell and Rosam's characters is limited to a couple of brief scenes and don't get me started on the Armageddon ending. Basically, the movie is the original, condensed for the MTV generation. Picture-wise, this is a very good transfer with deep black levels, natural skin tones and no obvious artefacting problems. Sound-wise, this is very lively with some nice rumbling LFE, which ascends into punching bass when the wave hits and the explosions ensue. It's also very lively in the surrounds, with water and other ambient effects making up the sound mix. It's not the best soundtrack ever to hit DVD, but if you want a new movie to show off with, this will fit the bill. So, with a brisk pace, hardly any decent actors in the cast, and only a few tense moments, is this recommendable? Well, not really. But it's not a terrible watch, provided you go in with no real expectations. If you expect an epic, you'll be disappointed. But if you don't expect anything other than a cheesy B-movie in the disaster movie vein, then you'll probably enjoy it. The movie scores 5 out of 10. This week's DVD Reviews. Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow to give it its full title, is a homage to the serials from the 1930s and 40s, such as Flash Gordon. The story is literally ripped from these weekly serials. A scientist known as Totenkopf seems to be behind the recent spate of disappearing scientists. Polly Perkins, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, is tipped off to these occurrences by the last scientist on Totenkopf's list and sets out to investigate. No sooner as the meeting between the scientist and Perkins is over, when the city is attacked by huge flying robots. Enter our intrepid hero Joe Sullivan, aka Sky Captain, who flies in to save the day. Anyway, this story unfolds with Joe and Polly covering the globe, looking for the scientist and Totenkopf. Along the way, enlisting the help of Captain Frankie Cook, a woman who Joe has some history with. Having been out on DVD for quite some time now, as well as being a movie I completely enjoyed then, how does it stack up on high definition? Well, superbly is the easiest answer, but it's not necessarily a simple answer. The main reason is the look of Sky Captain was always soft, with a particularly limited colour palette. 
but it looks absolutely superb. And as happy as it was with the DVD, this is in a different class. The sharpness helps considerably, but the textures are also much better defined, with a good feeling of depth to the proceedings. This is, currently, one of the best transfers I've seen on the HD DVD medium. Sound-wise, we have a Dolby Digital Plus and DTS soundtrack. The packaging refers to it as a DTS HD soundtrack, which unfortunately is not true. It's just regular DTS. Keep in mind that the only DTS versions of this movie were from Asia. The UK and US editions only had Dolby Digital soundtracks, so the inclusion here is a bonus. Personal preference is a tough call when it comes to these soundtracks. Both are actually excellent, with the DTS sounding more open and the Dolby sounding slightly tighter. I can't really state a preference, as I'm sure it would depend on my mood. But if you prefer the more open sound of DTS, then this would be the one to choose. But if you're thinking of deep bass normally associated with DTS, then either of them will fit the bill. As stated, I liked this movie when I first saw it in the local multiplex, and I still enjoy it now, even if Angelina Jolie has nothing more than a cameo role. This HD DVD scores a solid 8 out of 10. The biggest news and DVD reviews every week. You're listening to the AV Forums Podcast. On the AV Forums, we do not condone piracy, and we remove any discussions which are seen to be promoting it. By piracy, we mean making illegal copies of copyright material, so even the occasional file sharers are muted. But is the subject as black and white as the movie and music studios would have us believe? As far as the law is concerned, something is either illegal or it isn't. But some offences are more serious than others. Driving over the speed limit is illegal, but how many of us can say that we've never done it? And do we worry about going just a couple of miles an hour over it? Perhaps downloaders feel the same way about using the internet to obtain copyrighted material without paying for it. It's illegal, yes, but who's it going to hurt? Actually, most downloaders are aware that their activities damage the music and movie studios, but are unsympathetic towards the companies they're hurting the Motion Picture Association of America and the Recording Industry Association of America, representing the movie and music studios, have tackled illegal downloading in various high-profile ways, including threatening Napster with lawsuits and suing file-sharing individuals. These actions have, unsurprisingly, met with universal disapproval among the downloaders, who are, if anything, more determined to keep file-sharing alive. The internet is a revolutionary development which is changing everyone's lives. It provides a decent living for millions and has made a fortune for a few forward-thinking individuals. Anyone who tries to halt the advance of the net and the fundamental changes it's having on our lives is going to get unceremoniously steamrolled. There are trade bodies such as FACT who police the pirates on behalf of the industry. So what exactly do they do? Eddie Leviten from FACT explains... Yeah, FACT is a trade organisation uh, which has members um, in the film industry, including the major studios, but also independents and also companies like Sky as well who are connected to the industry. Uh, it was founded in 1983 and its sole aim is uh, anti-piracy to protect um, the industry and its products from pirate activity. So how does FACT distinguish between the professional pirate and the casual file sharer? 
we don't really distinguish between people at all. So, um, you know, as I say, in terms of file sharing, that is an area where we haven't taken very much action, but we will be looking into that area, and we are looking into that area very closely now, um, and a lot more in terms of the online. But, you know, increasingly what we're trying to do is target the source of the material, the people who are really making the vast amounts of money. But also, the, the, you know, the individual who may think, well, you know, I can set up at home and do this, and make some quick money, and nobody's going to find me. Um, we we recently had a, a guy who was um, selling on eBay, um, who'd made tens of thousands of pounds in a very short space of time. Um, he received a six-month jail sentence, and in fact, in the next couple of weeks, there will be a confiscation order um, produced, which um, you know could lead to very severe penalties for him in terms of uh, assets uh, and property being seized. So. You know, this type of action is taken against individuals as well as, I say, the organisations. Uh, we had a raid um, on, on a house in Hackney uh, last Thursday, um, which also resulted in the seizure of 3,500 uh, DVDs. And this was a person who was selling over the internet to a mailing list, um, a 55-year-old woman who, to all intents and purposes, wouldn't have looked like a film pirate, but, you know, we have evidence that she's made substantial amounts of money from that. Given that it's far more complicated these days to copy a DVD than it was to record a cassette, say, back in the 80s, what are the software providers doing to fight the battle? As a, a, an intellectual property owner, you, you, you want to protect, you know, your property in the best possible way, and if that means a type of copy protection, you know, then then you have every right to be able to, do, to install that and to, to use it. Um, the question is, I suppose, whether people will always find a way around technology. I guess that's pretty much the case. There's some very clever people out there who are always trying to break things. Whether that type of technology is available to the casual user is a different matter. Um, as you correctly say, it's not always that easy to make a copy um, of a disc, of a game, um, but people will find a way around it. Um, but, you know, the industry will always have to try and find a way to best protect its interests um, and to safeguard the jobs and the livelihoods of the people who work in that industry. And that could be everyone from the person who works in the local video rental store to the people who are working in the film industry, um, you know, at a, at a high level as well. And, and the UK certainly has a very vibrant and has had a history of having a very vibrant film industry and also a very strong interest in film. You know, the UK is the, is the largest market outside the US for movies. Um, and I think it would be a shame if that was spoiled by some people who, you know, want to uh, make money um, from film piracy, which, you know, is a crime, um, is punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment and or an unlimited fine. Forum member Light Swab argues that downloading material actually has a positive effect on the market for legal products. I would argue that piracy is only indefensible when it's done for profit, as in mass copying. Most home copiers aren't doing that. In the main, they're copying material that they wouldn't have bought anyway, so in practice, no one loses by it. What's more, the music business, which had this debate 10 years or more ago, found that allowing people to copy stuff actually led to an increase in sales as listeners who, who enjoyed the copied material wanted more of that band or genre or whatever and went out and bought it. Effectively, the copied material, which actually they could have done very little with anyway, was acting as a loss leader 
for more full-priced product. It's a well-known supermarket technique. Coming back to DVDs, the trouble is that the big studios and their lapdog enforcement agencies find it so much easier to focus on the low-hanging fruit of individual consumers whom they can easily conjole and punish than on offshore copying factories. So we're given the moral lectures, such as the tedious and pointless, pointless messages fronting every DVD, while the real problem just carries on churning out copies by the thousand. Thankfully, the music and movie studios have started to recognise that they won't be able to stop people from downloading and are providing methods for punters to legally obtain the material they want. iTunes is a good example, a huge resource of legally downloadable low-cost music. But is the cost low enough to attract die-hard file sharers? As we see it, the studios have four issues to tackle. The first is availability. The internet has made the world a smaller place. And if your favourite movie is available on DVD in America now, why should you wait weeks for the UK release? This is one factor which drives the thriving DVD import business. The internet encourages impatience. It empowers us to get information we want instantly. And we get used to this fast-paced feedback very quickly. So, could it be impatience which prompts people to download the material they want rather than wait for it to arrive on DVD or a legal download site? The second issue for the studios is that of quality. Many legal downloads are limited in quality, with MP3 set at a relatively lo-fi 128k per second. Many people demand music at a more respectable 192, or better still, 320k per second, and find that only shared files can offer that. The quality of pirated movies used to be pretty low with wobbly amateur camcorder in cinema effects where the guy who originated it would generally stand up mid-movie and go to the toilet. Forum member Simon certainly doesn't watch pirated material because of this issue and, as he explains, most AV forum members are the same. My main reason for not watching pirate material is that the quality is complete and that's a crap. And most people that visit the AV forums are sort of in a pursuit to find a decent picture, a decent sound. So then to go and put a media in it that looks like an old Betamax on a pie television from 30 years ago kind of defeats the object. Forum member Danny seems to think that quality may not be an issue at all when downloading American HD content. Now I know the Recording Industries of America and the Motion Pictures Association are trying to push the fact that piracies given less quality for your download than you would get from retail. I don't think that's very true, to be honest. I mean, most of the stuff that I will download is American TV shows, and we're getting HD content off downloads that you wouldn't get from UK television. Um, I think that's one of the big issues that they should address in order to reduce piracy. If you look at also MP3 downloads, a lot of that's being hit with digital rights and it's giving you less ability to do with MP3s what you would do if you downloaded them off the net. And um, we're also seeing a long adverts. I mean, in a show like Lost that's an hour long, you've seen twenty minutes of adverts in an hour in an hour long show. So if you download, you don't get that. The third issue pertains to usability. You can make unlimited copies of a BitTorrent downloaded MP3, copy it to your home network music server, to your portable MP3 player, and to a CD to put in your car. But the limitations put on copying legally bought copy-protected media, a maximum of five times to CD, for example, turns most people off. 
I'm sure downloaders feel that they should be able to copy media as many times as they like once they've paid for it. We at the AV Forums are trying to make an important point here. We don't think that the vast majority of downloaders are pirates in the sense that they distribute copyrighted material for profit. What we think is that most people make copies for their own personal use and download illegally because it's more convenient, because they don't have to pay for it and because they get it immediately. Which brings me to the fourth point, that of cost. Why pay for it when you can download it for free? This has got to be the biggest problem because even if downloads cost a few quid, people will still weigh up a few quid versus nothing. However, forum member, licensed taxi man, is one person who personally feels that downloading pirated DVDs is not for him. But he does think that the price is an issue for some. I have to say, from a personal point of view, I don't do it. Um, but uh, I can understand why people do download them, uh, purely and simply because, at least over here in the UK, generally speaking, the cost of DVDs, whether they be single or double disc editions, tend to be extremely expensive. But when you think about it, you're paying, for the most part, on these forums, quite a lot of money for a decent setup, and it seems a shame to buy, generally speaking, a load of old crap to play it on. But I do feel, from a general point of view over here, if they brought down the cost of brand new releases to what I would say is a reasonable level, um, then pirating certainly wouldn't be at the level it is, and who knows, it, it could possibly even wipe it out completely. All one wants is reasonable value for your product. It's clear from delving into the subject that people are divided about what piracy actually means. On the one hand, we've got the file downloader, who uses the material at home for, quote, personal use. On the other hand, there are gangs who are making huge profits from selling pirated material. Has the public thirst for such material, whether from the internet or on DVD, made millions for these criminal gangs? And is it as big a problem as the authorities make out? Stay tuned for part two of the piracy discussions in podcast 13, where Phil Hinton talks at length to Eddie Levitin from Fact. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums podcast. Coming soon in the AV Forums podcast, we're discussing the effect that internet sales has made on the AV industry in the UK. How have manufacturers and retailers had to adapt to the changing market? If you work for a manufacturer or retailer, we'd like to hear your comments. Also, if you buy AV equipment, whether it's high-end or budget-priced, we'd like to know whether you prefer buying online or from high street dealers. If you'd like to email us on avdoctor at avforums.com, we can arrange a friendly phone interview. Or you can call us on 0208 123 9587 and leave your comments on the answer phone. We really do want your opinions, so please contribute to make your AV Forums podcast as good as it can be. And that just about wraps up the 12th AV Forums podcast. This is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening. Stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Forums podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and written by John Archer. The DVD News and Reviews Roundup was written and presented by Phil Hinton with gaming news written by Damon Dove. Original music by Andrew Bassett. The podcast was produced and mixed by Phil Hinton, and the executive producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited. Music